Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to Side Action, Season 4, Episode 22. My name is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. So, Action, we had a, obviously an amazing, we'll talk about an amazing weekend with football games and, and those, those divisional games delivered for sure. How was the rest of your weekend? It was fun. Uh, we, Melissa came back, got back in town Friday we kind of laid low a little bit. And then Saturday went out with some friends here in the neighborhood. We stumbled across a nightclub that I was unaware of on nine mile and stayed nice. out way too late and slept in on Sunday. So it was a good time. How about yourself? I like to hear that by the way, actually, I'm glad you're still getting out. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, as you know, I was in Gulfport, uh, Florida near St. Petersburg, I uh, had a volleyball weekend with 40 of my closest Chicago volleyball friends, and we had an amazing time. You know, arrived on Thursday, just flew right in and then, like, went right to the beach, played a bunch of games, went out that night, played a ton of games the next day, played some more. So it was just awesome weekend. We saw those games Saturday night as a group. It was a house party. Uh, amazing. So I had a great time. I played 30 volleyball games in about 72 hours. Uh, that's a lot uh, was, for me. What was your I, record? Oh, good question. Do I keep track? Yeah, I was probably about 500. I, I had a good run on Friday. I played pretty well. Um, didn't play great on Sunday. I actually was 0-4 on Sunday, but it's about the competition. In fact, on Sunday, I didn't expect to play, but then they kind of talked me into playing, and I was kind of really sluggish to start, and then I totally fired it up, and we almost came back from like, it was like 19-8, to 8 and we pushed it to 22 or something, but, but whatever, you know, I'm not, this time of the year, I'm not worried about wins. I'm worried about just getting out there, playing a good time, having a good time and playing hard. So felt good. Um, nice. And then, uh, as I know you're on the edge of your seat, I did win the ATS pool action. So thank you for your assistance. I ended up, you know, outlasting schwa finally. And I guess the pick that did it was San Francisco against the, the Packers on Saturday night. Nice. And there was a cash prize associated with that, I presume, oh, right? Massive cash. I think I might make 250 bucks, but who cares? You, you know, so, hey, you know, cash and tickets, right? doesn't matter what it is. Um, Every little bit helps the bankroll. There's also a trophy, so I guess my name gets etched in the trophy or something. It's this gigantic wooden ATS trophy, so it'll be proudly displayed somewhere in the uh, Edgewater studio here. Yeah, maybe we'll get a snapshot of it in the background in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this great NFL weekend. We had uh, the divisional round, which we talked about should be the best round. I think in general, there's four games and really good teams. And, you know, these games were epic action. I mean, obviously, you know, from our metrics, the underdogs came through. They were three and one this week. They kind of flipped and they were the road dogs were three and one as well. Uh, in general, it was kind of split with the totals. The unders were two and two, but and no games were affected by the spread, which it's just fascinating. Just pick the side, right? Actually, pick the right side. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating. We talked about it like every week this season, and it really holds true in the playoffs, especially. 
I guess so. So let's go into the, some of these games. Instead of doing highs and lows, let's talk about just the games. I mean, the first game, Cincinnati, you know, they're kind of the young upstart team. I thought they'd be kind of fat and happy or at least just happy to be there. And in some ways they were. I mean, Tennessee's defense dominated Cincinnati in a lot of ways with nine sacks in this game. But unfortunately, you know, Henry couldn't get it going. Uh, you know, obviously Tannehill threw an early interception and he kind of was timid the rest of the game until they finally started finding A.J. Brown late, and they kind of blew the game late. I mean, they may not have gotten the cover, but they had the ball late uh, with two minutes. All they had to do was get a field goal, and Tannehill forced the ball. And in the end, Cincinnati is going to be in the championship game here against Kansas City. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill's poor performance really was the name of this game over the weekend. And you have to figure that without at least, well, certainly the third interception, but <laughs> – at least right. one or two of those, then Tennessee would have been in the driver's seat to come out victorious in that one. And, uh, you know, now we get the rematch of Cincinnati. And I, you know, just looking back, I think that you might have to downgrade Cincinnati just a little bit off that mm -hmm. performance, even though they came out victorious. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. It was a weird game, right? I mean, obviously, the thing was is that Henry really didn't carry the ball. Over. I mean, he was 20 for, I think he had 60 yards or something on 20 carries, but, you know, I don't know why they didn't stick with um, Foreman. He had four right. carries, 66 yards. I mean, I get it. Henry's our guy, but sometimes you got to go with the flow. And more importantly, just Tannehill, just boneheaded plays. I mean, the one where you just threw in the guy's hand. I know the guy made a great play. It was kind of like that wide receiver screen. He just made the play, but he didn't even need to force the ball. Go to overtime. You're, you're really – Cincinnati couldn't move the ball really very much except for that one play at the end of the game to get it to uh, Chase to get in the field goal position. I do like the field goal kicker from Cincinnati. The dude is just like oh yeah, nails, man. And I don't know if you heard the quote that before the kick, he was like, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game. And it's like, okay. And he nailed that 52-yarder. It looked like it was good from 62. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, McPherson's yeah. definitely a weapon. Probably the best kicker remaining in the playoffs. Although yeah, Gold so has never missed in the playoffs, so... There you go. There you go. That's what we call a transition in the uh, in the business action. Nice work. So the Packers obviously play San Francisco, and you know we were both on the Packers, I believe, in this game. I'm sorry, the San Francisco 49ers in this game. You know they've been we've been riding them, but you know it wasn't the right side. I don't think. I mean the the 49ers offense was so bad. Uh, the Packers go down the first drive and score right away. I was really worried action, and then. You know, then obviously the Niners defense, which has been great for weeks, just stonewalled that team. But unfortunately, Green Bay's, you know, defense held up against the running game. And, and it looked like the San Francisco 49ers couldn't catch the football in that cold weather. But thankfully, their special teams came to play. They blocked a field goal at the end of the half, which kind of gave them life. And, you know, as everybody knows now, the big block punt and touchdown, which apparently they weren't even trying to block. It just yeah. happened. Um, was the key turning point in the game. And as you mentioned, Robbie Gold kicks the field goal and says, you know, fuck the Packers. So, um, you know, 13 to 10 winner and, and cover. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers may not be a Packer anymore. We'll see. Yeah, there was some really huge swing plays in that game. You have to remember right, right at the end of the first half, too, when Aaron Jones broke that huge pass play and the Packers could have gone up two scores right there. And then the San Francisco Niners defense came in and got the big sack. And ultimately um, the Packers kicker missed the field goal and that kept it close. 
And then late on, the their special teams just did them in twice over. And uh, the worst special teams remaining in the playoffs came out, played out to fruition in that one. Yeah, there are three phases in the game, apparently, and it, it did cost them. It was interesting, you know, besides that first drive and that play to Aaron Jones, I think that Green Bay only had like 119 yards in the game. So it was just <laughs> the next stonewall. But on the flip side, you know, Jimmy D didn't look so great. And it looked like guys like Kittle and just couldn't catch the ball. Uh, Debo, we'll talk about later. Debo Samuel's got a little dinged up in that game, but he had a key kick return, and you know, we'll talk about that in the next one. So then we moved to Sunday action, and you know I thought those early games on Saturday were, were close. They were competitive. They were exciting. Nothing compared to Sunday. Sunday was just an, insane. I mean, the Rams came out, were blowing out the, Ram, uh, the Bucks, kind of like they did last time. They were just kind of – destroying them. They were moving the ball at will. Uh, Stafford looked great. The Bucks, you know, didn't have Tristan Wirfs, and it, and it showed. They were getting to Brady. They were leading 20-3 to three about the half. Had a chance to go up 27-3. to three. Cam Akers fumbles on the one. Um, but they do go up 27-3 to three in the third. I thought this game was over, actually. I thought it was completely over. But somehow, you know, between Tom Brady and the Rams just giving the ball away four times or three more times in the second half. Brady's friggin' tied the game with like 45 seconds to go. It's insane. And then, obviously, you know, Cooper Cup, they didn't cover him. He's only the best receiver in the league. Uh, and they kicked the field goal to win the game. But what an incredible comeback by the Bucs. Yeah, it was. It really aided by the Cam Akers fumbles, for sure. But uh, you got to question the play call at the end, I think, by the Tampa Bay Bucks and Bulls to allow, I think it was zero blitz, ultimately. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. Cup got behind him. That was the name of the game. Yeah, you, you got a safety on Cup. Uh, you're at your 45 or whatever, their 45. You give up a 44-yard play. I mean, ice in the game. It was probably the worst defensive call. And I know Bulls, obviously, had a great Super Bowl, but – Wrong, wrong situation there, but hey, you know, I didn't think the Bucks were going to beat whoever in the next round, whether it was yeah. uh, Green Bay or San Francisco, so we probably get the better game here. And then the last game, you know, obviously Sunday night, you know, evening and the night, it's just an instant classic action. I mean, this was, we thought that this was going to be a great game. I kind of predicted it to be the great game, but you know, after those three first games, I wasn't sure it was going to live up to the hype. And, um, you know, slowish first half, 14-0 at the half. But the last quarter, really the last six minutes of this game were just insane where, you know, the Chiefs had built a nice lead. They were up by, you know, nine or so. Then, you know, obviously they were up again by, what was it, five, I guess, was in the end or six. Four, yeah, five. four, right? And then Buffalo, you know, Josh Allen, let's, let's, put, let's give him the kudos. The guy played a great game. I mean, incredible game. <laughs> on the ground, throwing the ball, converting on fourth down multiple times, taking the lead inside of two minutes. But, of course, they give up the touchdown to uh, Tyreek Hill, 64-yard touchdown. But they drive again, score again, give 13 seconds. I mean, I don't know about your opinion on the mortar kick or not. At the time, I didn't think about it. 13 yeah. seconds? Who cares, right? Yeah. And then, obviously, two plays later, the Chiefs get in the field goal range and, and kick the big field goal by Bucker and, and end up winning in overtime with the coin flip. But, I mean, that was just a gift, a gift of a football game. Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting, definitely. But I, I can't help but think to myself, and I, at the time, just how 
terrible the defenses were performing in those last couple of minutes. I mean, there was just wide open receivers. The Chiefs oh, yeah. defensive backs were slipping and leaving Gabriel Davis wide open on multiple occasions. Four touchdowns. And they really certainly missed Teron Matthew, who got knocked out in the first quarter with that concussion. Yeah. And I wondered, too, I mean, they, they made a lot of points on Beeson and other places that why not just defensive hold Kelsey and Hill to try to, you know, tick off a couple seconds and only give them a little bit of yardage. Of course, right? It did seem like they were trying to play prevent defense for a touchdown instead of a field goal in the last two plays there. But what can you do? I mean, I kind of, you know, my dad, you know, my dad, Mr. Group Text now, um, he was texting, oh, the mortar kick. He should have done a, you know, a, who knows? Maybe he made it one play. I mean, like the way that game was going, whoever was going to have the ball last was going to win. And uh, obviously the overtime rules come into question now, but what a fantastic game. And, you know, Josh Allen, you heard today that he, they snubbed him on the Pro Bowl, which is a joke. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And then he, they asked him to, to participate because obviously Mahomes is, and what happens now is like, do you want to play? And he said, no, thanks, which I give him a lot of credit for. He's, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback already. So. Well, let's go into this week action. I mean, we've got the championship Sunday, uh, the 30th here. Big games. Uh, we obviously know the matchups now. Um, we've got Cincinnati going to Kansas City, and we've got San Francisco going to, going to the Rams. I didn't really update the metrics for the playoffs. I mean, it's interesting, though, action. When you look at the playoff index, the Wiggs index, this is middle tier. You know, usually you have a top-tier team like a Buffalo in there that's kind of the, the clear favorite. I mean, the Chiefs are the highest in the index right now, but none of these teams are – and they're kind of middle of the road. It's kind of like 6th to 12th in, or 6th to 10th or so in the top, you know, 14 teams that were in the playoffs. So, um, you know, obviously we had the close games last weekend, so I don't know if the metrics really tell the story. It's more the matchups. Yeah, definitely. I think when you get to this point, you have to look at what the individual matchups look like. And thankfully for us as betters, we've seen both of these games uh, pan out so far this year. In fact, the Niners and the Rams played twice, obviously, as division foes. Right, right. Well, I just thought we'd touch on the injuries, and I, I haven't refreshed this since Tuesday, action, you know, full disclosure, but, you know, we know that uh, Ogun Joby for the Bengals was out last game. He's out. He's on IR officially now. Uh, but one of the other defensive tackles, Josh Tupo, uh, uh, he looks like he's questionable with an MCL. So that, you know, obviously impact. It didn't, it didn't stop. I mean, the Titans didn't run the ball very well <laughs> against this team, but um, and and obviously Hendrickson did play uh, last week, which was kind of important. Uh, Trey Hendrickson. So for the Chiefs, you have uh, Trey Matthew. You talk about him. He's in the concussion protocol. I haven't seen if he's going to play or not, but he's questionable. And I thought a kind of a key injury, even though they won the game, was Daryl Matthew or Donald Williams was out last week with a toe. I mean, I know that. Um, Edwards Hilaire played pretty well, and your guy, McKinnon, played good. But, you know, when you've got to run the football, those two guys aren't exactly, you know, yeah, I don't know. They're not pile pushers, you know what I'm saying? I think Williams has a little more push, and, and I think he'd be important to play this weekend. Yeah, Williams had a big day in the first meeting against the Bengals. And actually, I did check practice reports. Uh, Matthew apparently cleared because he had, was listed as a full participant today along with Daryl Williams. Sorry, light practice today for Williams, but uh, full on Wednesday. So it looks like the Chiefs are getting healthy again. 
I do not see. Uh, oh, I do see. Uh, Josh Tupo was a light mm-hmm. practice both Wednesday and Thursday, so it looks like both teams are going to be getting their players back. Okay, good, good. In the other game, 49ers. I mean, the big, big story was Debo Samuel. Although he kind of hobbled off the field, I guess it was more of a bruise than a, a tear, a sprain with his knee. But he was questionable. And Trent Williams, you know, the, the superstar. Uh, tackle his ankle he was questionable um and then a- ambry thomas uh defense with his knee is questionable i don't know if you saw any practice reports of those guys yeah the niners and rams no updates from thursday yeah. yet i guess it's still a little bit early in pacific time zone but uh m- most of these guys were dmps on wednesday both bosa right. mac elijah mitchell trip williams none of them practice on wednesday which i guess isn't all that surprising yeah, I expect them all to play, just whether they're going to be limited or not. Mm-hmm. And then for the Rams, you know, Taylor Rapp, uh, you know, the safety is for the concussion. I think he's still questionable. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Whitworth, who didn't play uh, against the Bucks, he's questionable with a knee. And Joe Noteboom, his backup, was questionable. So I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen on that Rams offensive line, which is important against the Niners. Yeah, no doubt about that. Going up against Bosa and company, certainly want to make sure you have your full slate of pass blockers. That's right. Well, let's go into these matchups action. Uh, the first game is the Bengals Chiefs. That's obviously an arrowhead. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time. KC opened as a seven-point favorite. It's still sticking around seven. I kind of thought it would float up a little bit. Uh, the total's 54 and a half, 54. Depends on where you see it. Um, obviously Burrow has been amazing. He's got Chase with the connection out there on the outside and, you know, they've got the weapons, but I kind of feel like there might be, you know, a possible level with Kansas city. But for me, I think she's going to roll in this one. I'm not saying that I would definitely lay these points. This is a good teaser spot if you're a teaser better, but, um, I do think they're going to cover and they, you know, if you look at some of these things we've talked about, the spread doesn't matter all that much sometimes, um, I still think this game goes over, and a lot of people are talking about the under, so I'm interested in your take on the total here. But, um, you know, these teams played a lot. You know, they, they scored a ton of points last time, but the Bengals were trailing by 21 points, so maybe it is an underplay. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, the first meeting was 34-31 this season. Mm-hmm. Kansas City uh, – I'm sorry, Cincinnati obviously won the game, which locked them into the division title and – and, of course, they decided to take off week 18. But, um, you know, I, I think that this total, I think the over is the right side. I'll tell you straight up. However, uh, looking at the current number of 54 and a half, I certainly would not be running to the window to go over 54 and a half because 54 is extremely key. Um, it mm-hmm. looks like there is at least one 54 still available at points bet here in Michigan. But uh, mm-hmm. certainly, if you're going to be playing the over in this game, you want to shop for the 54, and definitely wouldn't be running to go over 54 and a half. Right, and that, that's why, I mean, I, I hate to be, you know, a little soft. I know everybody's like, hey, I want to be I want to be on the right side. Why not tease this down? Tease it down to minus one for Kansas City and and down, you know, six points, 48 and a half on the total and, and call it a day. But that's kind of my approach to this game. But... Mm-hmm. Do you see, I mean, obviously the Bengals can win the game. We know that they've beaten them in the, in the regular season. Um, you know, do you think this could be a letdown spot for Kansas City? No, definitely not in the AFC Championship. They're going to be ready to play and make it back to their third straight Super Bowl. And I agree with you. I think that KC is the side here at seven. 
I wouldn't be looking to the Bengals at all. I I believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have a game plan ready for Jamar Chase this time. They're certainly not going to let him go off for 266 receiving yards this week. And so I think that there's some opportunity for the other pass catchers. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. looking at playing a couple of uh, Cincinnati Bengals props over. Tyler Boyd, for example, Mm -hmm. is one guy I'm targeting. And uh, I, I do think that the Chiefs defense will be able to play a little bit better. Certainly seeing Matthew back in the defensive backfield is going to be a huge help for them as well. Well, I mean, Gabriel Davis is the third, the third, actually the fourth sure. option in the yeah. Buffalo offense. So you're not wrong on that one. I mean, Diggs had seven yards in the game. And and my guy, you know, Dawson Knox barely caught the ball either. It was just the matchup that they exploited that second corner. So maybe like you said, T. Higgins or or a Boyd might be a good good prop situation. The other okay. thing I the other thing I heard discussed this week, which I thought was really poignant, uh in terms of the Chiefs' offense getting right, recall earlier in the season, they were not their normal selves the first half, I'd say. And uh, they've certainly turned a corner recently. They've gone over in seven straight games. And I think you've seen a little bit of a change in terms of how Mahomes is handling those um, two deep looks. He, he used to mm-hmm. just drop back like 20 yards, which made the play almost impossible. But now he's stepping up in the pocket which not only gives him the ability to keep his eyes downfield, but opens up running lanes. And he has been running to quite success lately. And I, I'm looking at his over rushing prop as well, 28 and a half for Mahomes rushing yards. Well, as you may know, if you read the Vice School article, he was a leading passer and rusher on the week this week. Uh, he had that big, you know, 35 yard run in the beginning of the first half. Um, I think you're right. The other thing I heard in the analysis is that despite those big plays, you know, to Hill and everything, he didn't have any air yards over 25 yards in the game. Mm-hmm. He was throwing the ball, you know, 10 to 15 yards. He was killing the intermediates, and his guys were just run after catch all day, including Kelsey and uh, Hardman had a nice play as well. Uh, even Pringle, I think, had a nice play. So it's one of those things that I'm not sure how the Bengals will play it, but they are changing their approach and letting that those speedsters just get the head of steam and, and make plays down the field after they catch the ball. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the second game. I think this is probably the better game if we, you know, I think empirically we can say this should be a closer game. Uh, The 49ers are playing the Rams. This is their third meeting. It's at 5.30 Eastern. Um, You know, the Rams opened as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I haven't seen it come off the three-and-a-half right now, action. Uh, Totals around 46-and-a-half, you know, right in that range. Now, San Francisco has own this matchup. I mean, they're 6-0 and straight up and against the spread the last times they played. You know, their front has definitely taken care of the Rams on both sides of the ball. Everybody seems to be on the Rams action. I don't know what the deal is. I get it. The Rams are playing great, and they seem to have turned the corner in terms of not turning the ball over, at least Stafford, uh, in critical situations, but they had four turnovers last week. You know, part of me wants to say, hey, the Rams got to be the side now because they're the better team. They've been playing great, but I got to stick with my San Francisco 49ers here. They were my pick preseason and at the beginning of the postseason. What do you think? I like it. I like I like the Niners a lot too. I I mean beyond the obvious matchup advantage, I think winning six, six straight games against one opponent and the same coaching staff and the same game plan on both sides has right. got to tell you something. And I also think that at some point this is going to start to get into the Rams' heads a little bit. Can you imagine mm-hmm. 
what kind of feeling might come over you as a Rams player, especially if San Francisco takes the opening kickoff down for a touchdown. This could spiral pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we saw it in the last meeting there, the last season, last game of the regular season where the crowd was mostly Niners fans. I'm seeing reports in social media that I think StubHub reported like 60% of the resale tickets are going to Northern California. So I think that home field advantage is probably zero, maybe like half a point in this game, which gives more credence to the Niners. Right. So a couple of things, and we haven't looked at betting splits. I'm not trying to make you do it, but maybe you could as I talk some more. But um, it seems like the public is going to be on the Rams. It seems like the Rams, the, the public wants Chief Rams, right? That's yeah. what people want. Um, so it's obviously good to go against the public. And obviously the first game, you could say, well, hey, go, against the, go with the Bengals. But to me, it's a little bit more of a long shot that Chiefs seem to be – I mean, look, I just think the Buffalo Chiefs winner was going to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, they played they, – they showed they were great teams. The Rams are a bit of a front runner, and I think to your point, if this game is close, um, will Stafford come through in the clutch? He had the big plays at the end of the game. I do think Bowles gave it to him on a silver platter, you know, especially in the last. Um, and in the end, you know, Cam Akers coughed the ball up twice on Sunday. Do they trust him? I don't know. You know, they go back to Michelle. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I do think if the Rams are to win this game, they have to run the ball effectively, and I'm not sure they can do it against them. San Francisco front. And more importantly, is is Jimmy G didn't play great on Sunday, mm-hmm. but you know, look, they were down seventeen to nothing in the last one, came back in basically a must win situation. I think he's gonna play a good game this week. I, I, I don't know what it is. I think he's gonna play a good game. Of course, Debo's gotta be healthy and Williams too, but I agree with you. What is the, the 49ers total in the first half? It's gotta be fairly low, right? 13, 14 points maybe. Team total in the first half? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we haven't touched on the total yet, but this is a 46 right now, which is pretty average total. And obviously mm-hmm. the last meeting stayed under, but I think in the first game this season, they went way over the total. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you're onto something there looking at the total. And if you think that the Niners are going to have some success, it could be prudent to tackle them on the team total side. Uh, let me look here. Team total first half is 10 and nine and a half, 10, nine and a half over with some juice or 10. Right. 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 So it's kind of low. I mean, they do sometimes turn it on. I think that there are adjustments. I think one of the candidates they're not, he's not really a candidate for a head coaching job right now, but he's having a great playoffs and end of the year is uh, D'Amico Ryan's for 49ers. Here's a question though, actually, I've heard this stated many times. My understanding is this is the seventh straight road game for the 49ers. Do you think, despite the crowd being maybe on their side, do you think that maybe this is the end of the road? Cause it's obviously a, you know, they're, they're closer to home, but they've been on the road for months. I don't, I don't really think that has much bearing to be honest with you. I mean, this okay. is a team historically that has gone on long trips and had success. Remember a couple mm-hmm. years back, they had that East coast swing and they would stay on the East coast and, and try to get close as a, as a team. But right. uh, I, you know, I I think that the advantage in terms of rest and travel is with the Niners because they were in Green Bay last weekend and L.A. is coming from a trip to Tampa. Sure, sure. Okay. Okay, well, just to review, now the index told me to take, you know, Cincinnati plus seven and, 40, and 49ers plus three and a half, but I think we're both on Kansas City minus the seven, mm-hmm. laying the points and 49ers plus three and a half. 
Yeah, I, I'm also betting on the Niners' money line. I, I know you have a Super Bowl future, so it may not be the wise thing to do, but I took the Niners plus 160 to win the game. I like that. Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> All right. Well, that closes out the NFL portion. Let's talk about the, uh, the college hoops now. Uh, let's go over the action index this week. There has been a little bit of a change. There's been a little bit of a shakeup. Did you pull this today or was it a couple days ago? Um, yesterday. Okay. So pretty, pretty fresh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see that Gonzaga's number one. Baylor's dropped down. Uh, Arizona did get beat by, you know, the Bruins that you're down on uh, the other night. But um, Kentucky at four, Houston five, Purdue six, Auburn seven, Kansas at eight, LSU nine, and Duke ten. Um, you want to talk to us a little bit about the, the action index? Yeah, a little bit of a shakeup at the top. I think uh, Purdue dropped a few spots since we mm-hmm. last spoke. And uh, Auburn, you know, pretty standard in there. I think that uh, LSU is a team, despite a loss this week, that is one I'm keeping an eye on. And uh, certainly the the loss that Arizona had at UCLA last night was uh, was surprising in terms of just how big the margin was i think that was probably obviously the worst performance that the wildcats have had all season yeah i mean ucla was shooting the lights out in the first part of that game when i saw uh, and arizona couldn't hit it so well let's roll into some games this week that i've identified now this week they've got the sec um you know whatever it's called big 12 sec challenge or whatever it's called there's a lot of great games on saturday i don't know if you have any friday action but i didn't see anything on, on there for you action but on Saturday, you've got Oklahoma. Um, you know, obviously Moser is there now, and he's going to Auburn. Uh, Oklahoma's plus; uh, they're getting 10 points on the road in this one. This is Saturday, the 29th at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, do you like a side in this one? Yeah, I would probably look to Auburn in this game. I think it should be every bit of 10 points and probably more. Oklahoma is a team that doesn't really have a ton of athleticism in their right. uh, ranks this season. And I think that the Auburn guards and bigs are going to be able to crash them on the boards. And and I think that uh, 10 is probably not enough. Yeah, probably not. Auburn's a really good basketball team. They're the number one team in the country now. But they, they have struggled in their league. But I think Oklahoma may not have seen their likes so far. They, they do have one of those transfers. You know, Last year we watched them in the tournament. Those Eastern Washington guys with the big beards, one of those brothers. I can't remember their names right now. Groves. <laughs> oh, what is it? Groves. Oh, nice. Uh, the other game I was interested in was Baylor. Uh, they're obviously the fourth-ranked team. They're going to Alabama. Alabama is struggling uh, in general to cover numbers, but this game is at 3 p.m. Central. Baylor going to Alabama. Uh, any thoughts on this game? I can't wait to watch it. It's going to mm-hmm. be a, a very exciting game. I mean, Alabama has not been playing that well recently, and um, Baylor hit a slide in their own right a couple of weeks ago with some key injuries and COVID, uh, I think, ran through the team a little bit. But uh, I I make Baylor probably a six-point favorite here on the road, and okay. uh, I think that's pretty close to what in line with what Ken Palm might project at five. And so I think that uh, it's tough to call on the side, to be honest with you. I would probably look to an under in this game. I think the Baylor defense uh, this year is strong, just as they always are, 11th ranked. And uh, I I think that Baylor is going to control the pace a little bit and keep Alabama from running. Yeah, I mean, Alabama is obviously all about offense. They're 96th on defense. So if uh, Baylor can get it after them and slow down their pace, that's, that's critical. I'd probably take Baylor on that side. 
how about this one? This is a great, you know, blue blood matchup. Kentucky, you know, they're 12th ranked now. They're going to Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse. This is at 5 o'clock on Saturday. You're listing it as Kansas as a three-point favorite at home. Now, look, I've watched both these teams recently. I'm not sure what to make of them. Sometimes they play great, and sometimes they play down in the competition and compound with each other. So do you think that this, you know, would you lay the points here at home with the Jayhawks? I don't know. It's tough. I mean, we talked about this Kentucky team last week, and I think we both agreed that they were the side in that game um, against, was it, I think it was Auburn. Yeah, they played at Auburn last weekend. And they they played really well in the first half, but they just couldn't score in the second half and ended up losing the game. But my numbers really like Kentucky, mostly buoyed by their number one ranked offensive rebounding ability. Uh, I way. Oh my yeah. God, that guy is incredible. He had like 24 rebounds, and like 14 of them were offensive rebounds. Yeah. Chibwe, yeah. right? He is impossible to keep off the glass. Former Mountaineer, Oscar Chibwe. Right. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, my, my numbers make Kentucky a little bit of value here. I think that uh, this should be closer to one and a half or two. And so mm-hmm. there's a little bit of value on that side. But playing at Fog Allen is going to be tough even when you have Kentucky on your jersey. Yeah, both these teams are, from, from my numbers, are both, you know, one and three against the spread in the last four. So mm-hmm. it's probably who's going to see it. But I, I think this will be a fun game to watch, at least, uh, you know, on Saturday. The last Saturday game I have is actually in. Oh, this was was this was this not yesterday? Uh, I have Marquette at Providence. I thought they played this uh, yesterday, but maybe maybe they play again. They're doing home at home. Yeah. Uh, Marquette is going to Providence on Saturday at 3:30. Um, you know, Marquette, they're kind of rising star. You know, they've, they've got uh, your guy Shaka Smart up there now, uh, going to Providence, and Providence is kind of a darling now. In that they're you know top 17 in, in the AP. I'm not sure their metrics match up with their team. So uh, you've got Marquette getting three points at Providence. Uh, I'd probably back Marquette personally, but you know, talk me out, talk me off of that. I mean, directionally, I think that you are on the right track there because this Providence team and Ed Cooley as the coach has just been pulling games out of their behinds lately. Right. Uh, they're man, they're they're just winning close game after close game. And they won the other night from a 30-foot heave at the buzzer against Xavier. And uh, on the flip side, Marquette and Shaka Smart's team has now won nine in a row against the spread. So a team that has turned this around. And they did play matchup a few weeks ago. It was on January 4th. uh, Okay. I was thinking they beat Seton Hall. My bad. They they covered against Seton Hall the other night. Yeah. And that was the, the lone terrible game that Providence has had on their wager so far uh, this season. They lost by 32 to Marquette um, mm-hmm. at home. So, um, oh, no, wait, sorry, that was at Marquette. This is the flip side. And um, mm-hmm. I, w- I would think that there's probably some value on the underdog as well. Okay, good to know. So back to the Big Ten on Sunday, you've got Ohio State going to your your boilers uh, at 11 in the morning, the bright and early before the basketball or the football games. Uh, that's 11 a.m. Central. I'm a, you know, Purdue obviously is a nine-point nine favorite at home. Are they, you know, they've been struggling a little bit, and obviously you've got A.J. Liddell in that game who can score against anybody, but you have the Twin Towers for Purdue to wear him down. What do you think about that game? Well, Ken Palm makes it nine, and uh, I think it should be closer to 12. Okay. Uh, Purdue is a team that just 
has the matchup advantage against Ohio State. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that uh, Liddell, despite his ability to score inside or Zed Key, their other big man, are going to be able to defend Edie in the paint. So I like Purdue at home. Certainly going to see how the game shakes out tonight. Purdue's in Iowa City on the road at Iowa, and I think right. I've already seen some sharp money on the Hawkeyes. So a loss against Iowa tonight makes me like Purdue even more on Sunday. Okay, good to know. Uh, last game I highlighted was back to the Big 12. Kansas is going to Iowa State. Uh, you know, that's obviously – Iowa State's always kind of a pesky team in the Big 12 and maybe not as good as some other years. But on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central, uh, you're showing Kansas as a road favorite. I'm just concerned that after the Kentucky game, they might be a little bit weary. So I probably may go with home team here in the Big 12. It's always tough to win on the road. Yeah, definitely agree. I think, and this Iowa State team has been really pesky this season, mm-hmm. and surprising a lot of people with how they've played in the Big 12. Especially, uh, they play stellar defense, six ranked on that side of the ball. Yep. And I think if you can get them in a home dog role, it's definitely the right side. All right, look at this. I'm doing something right. Early season. So, I mean, that closes out basketball. Unless you got some other ideas on the weekend, do you have any other games that you're, you're eyeing? Nothing that I've been targeting. To be honest with you, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I've been uh, doing less uh, looking ahead just with the COVID cancellations and the news. I don't really find the time or the value in terms of uh, lining up games ahead of time. I usually do my work day of. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm just going to make my plug for the Colorado State Rams. They're playing really good this year. Yeah. Hopefully they can make the tournament the first time in a while. I like the way they play it. I've watched them a lot lately, um, so they've they've gotten some wins, but they still they're small. But uh, it's it's nice to see them play better. All right, well, I did yeah. I did have one thing to add since you mentioned it. I just remembered I uh, I made another futures bet today, yeah. which I think the number would still be available for our listeners, and that's with a, an old friend and different coach, Texas Tech Red Raiders. Oh yeah, this team is another stalwart defensively they're fourth ranked against uh defensive opponents and they are very good on the glass as well and i think that um you've seen some of their big 12 opponents make some adjustments so far this season to go against that defense but when you get into a tournament setting and you're playing against foes that aren't used to lining up against the red raiders it can be a little bit more difficult to prepare for them on a short notice so you probably like them against mississippi state this weekend I would say so. Yes, indeed. And uh, I, I, I didn't mention it, but it is forty to one on Texas Tech at FanDuel. I think. And that's to win the title, or that's to win the Big Twelve. That's to win title. The NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, they are four and one against the number in the last five. I mean, you got. I love seeing that. You know, what I one of the things I track action. You know, as we go, I try to do it from whenever I start, which is a couple of weeks ago, forward. It is really hard to pick a college basketball team that covers on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Outside of Gonzaga and uh, obviously Texas Tech right now, uh, most of the teams are 500 at best, you know, so you're kind of just not shot in the dark, but it's hard to find teams, and I guess the numbers may be a little tighter, plus you get buzzer beaters and stuff that kind of mess up the you know the bad beats. But this is one of those teams because of that defense until Vegas started adjusting them, or at least the market is starting to bet on them more. I like, I like your – your angle there. Yeah, and I think college basketball, more so than other collegiate sports, you tend to see a huge emotional letdown after big wins, too. So you see that teeter-totter effect as teams navigate through their schedule, like the UCLA Bruins, who got a huge win the other night against Arizona. 
they're now playing against Cal tonight. It's classic letdown spot. Classic letdown, right? Exactly. Johnny Juzang, sorry, he won't make a shot tonight. So, yeah, everybody was just, I mean, they couldn't miss the other night. It was kind of fun because Arizona's like touted as a, you know, national title contender like we talked about last week. And we were down playing UCLA, but they played up for that game for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's do a little little golf touch here. We're talking about sure. me. I'll leave yeah, it up to can- we can recap my uh, terrible picks last week that I gave out. Uh, the matchup ended up losing. Our buddy Brian Harmon shot like eight under on Sunday and couldn't miss on the putting greens. I had, I did have it on one of my four screens in the family room on Sunday. Right. Um, our long shot, Harold Varner, 120 to one, actually had a chance on Sunday. Through the first couple of holes, he was about two shots back from the leader. But mm-hmm. he quickly dissipated and uh, didn't really have much of a sweat coming home down the stretch. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So Johnny Vegas didn't come through for us. No, Johnny Vegas was probably the lowest of my uh, four picks last week. Harold Varner was really the one that uh, that gave me some fun. But this week, I mentioned to you earlier, we we can't really talk about it because the PGA moved up the tournament. Actually, right. the first time that I can remember that they started on a Wednesday, so they're going to finish on Saturday and avoid the NFL Conference Championships. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm sure the the ratings are so high with these football games that they want to avoid that crunch, so maybe they're making that. That's weird that they make that adjustment, but, I mean, the majors don't have to worry about those kind of things later, but mm-hmm. that's fascinating. Interesting stuff, so... Okay, well, let's, uh, you know, just a little plug that, I mean, we have so many listeners, Action, as you know. I mean, our loyal listeners are everywhere, and they want T-shirts, and uh, I've given out some T-shirts lately. Uh, but we are going back to Vegas. We've made it official. We are going back to Vegas. We're going for March Madness. Uh, we've kind of decided we're going to get out there the 16th of March, which is the Wednesday before the first round, and uh, stay there through Saturday right now. We do have some people staying through Sunday. We've got a group of roughly seven guys, maybe more. We'll see. Everybody's welcome. I know you've extended it to your pool player guys, and uh, we're going to secure at least a day bet at, at Circa on Thursday, that opening day of the tournament. I, I put in the deposit today action. Of course, after we talk, they raise the prices by 500 bucks and whatever. Um, <laughs> it's like real-time pricing. Um, but, yeah, super excited, man. I mean, we, we went there last year during COVID. It was only just the three of us, uh, you, me, and, and, and Prime, and – we're going to get a bigger group, and I'm excited to get back to Circa. Yeah, I think by March 16th, COVID will just be eradicated from planet Earth. And so anyone who wants to join us is certainly welcome. Right, right. So hopefully you can make it. If not, that's fine. Um, we do plug Circa. Even we're not promoting you know, them for monetary reasons. We just love the place and loyal to those guys. And we, we're really excited to make this trip again. And uh, hopefully we'll have a good turnout. So. I do have a negative review on Circa since you brought it up. I realized the last time I was there that the dice tables are actually a little bit longer than what you would see at some of the normal places on the strip. I went and tried to practice my normal throw, and I realized that it was just a tad bit longer, which threw me off my game. Dude, we can't have that. We can't have that. Action's got to have that perfect spot, the high toss, one bounce off the window, and boom, there you go. So we see you, Circa. Come on, Derek Stevens. I hear you're listening. <laughs> Let's get a normal sized table in there. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, obviously, follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Uh, follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and on Instagram. 
And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right, everybody. Enjoy the last weekend of uh, with championship football, and then we'll get to the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.